You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. Today is a special day in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge because it's Bree's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to Bree. Hey, that's copyright. <laughs> is it? Yes. Not Can anymore. you just make up different words? Oh, same time? I have a different version of it. I do too. What? I've got many versions actually. This is true. I'm, there's Happy birthday! I know that one. Uh. Oh, I don't know that one. <laughs> That's part of it. Oh, that one, that one day troubles me, but it's maybe also my favorite one. <laughs> so this this is a story time with Sarah episode, but this is not a usual story time with Sarah episode because in this story time, uh, first we're going to make up a story. Because yeah, I wrote up yeah. a Mad Lib. We write the story. I wrote Sorry. up a Mad Lib for Bree. And so yes. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna pick some words and fill in the Mad Lib, and then Bree's gonna read it for us. And I might laugh cry because hopefully it will be I that hope funny. So. <laughs> and then um, because we're celebrating all things Bree today, uh, Bree has shared her story once before about being a first gen Lutheran. But we're gonna dig into that a little bit more. And we have all of we have so many stories. So many. Of first-gen Lutherans in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge group, I will not even scratch the surface of how many are in there. So if you're not in the Facebook group, go join the Facebook group and then uh, search for first-gen Lutherans or the post will probably be somewhere near the top. And just read through all of the stories of all of these women uh, who became Lutheran later in life. And they're really, really great stories. And if you are a first-gen Lutheran, share your story too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a testament to... These are so... So inspiring, yeah, and well worth reading and sharing, and you'll you'll find you'll come away with a fresh perspective. Yeah, yeah, and I love them um, because I was baptized into the Lutheran Church, so this is not my experience, and so I love hearing about other people's experiences and and how other people actually came into Lutheranism, and it does give me a different perspective. First, though, it is Mad Lib time, and I am so excited for this. So, all right. I'm going to start by uh, by asking for different words, and hopefully this doesn't get too raucous, because... Why are you looking at me so intently, Sorry, Sarah? I was looking at you really <laughs> intently, Brie. <laughs> Why are you troubled if this gets too raucous? I know my Sarah. audience. I know my audience. All right. I'm just saying that because the first word is body part. Oh! <laughs> there was a disclaimer for a reason. Nuts! No, Belly button. Yes. All right. Xiphoid process. All right. I needed two, so that's perfect. The next one is adjective. Supremely. No, that's an adverb. There's a lot of adjectives. Supreme. There's a lot of adjectives in this, so if you have great ones, there's a lot more options. All right. Number. 34, because that's how old I am now. Perfect. Adjective. Bodacious. Oh, okay. You go first, and then I'll have mine next. Okay. Rachel, what was yours? Bodacious. Bodacious. Um, oh, adjective, Aaron. What was yours? Glutinous. Glutinous. <laughs> um, something you'd find on your bed. Cake. Yes. <laughs> I love how amazingly these always turn out without even trying. Adverb. Dangerously. Dangerously. Action verb. You guys are all thinking so uh, intently. Present tense. Oh, yes. Oh. Dribble. Dribble? Dribble. <laughs> oh, that works. Dribble. Okay. Articles of clothing. Plural. Popsicle pants. Yes. Pantses. <laughs> Multiple pairs. Type of pattern. Argyle. All right. Mm. Another type of pattern. Hound's tooth. Yes. Oh, nice. Herringbone. <laughs> 
Optimals. Because <laughs> now it makes no sense, but it's going to be really great. Um, <laughs> adjective. Cake-like. <laughs> when you come to this, you are going to die laughing. Yes. <laughs> hey, Sarah, can yes. we go back and change my argyle pattern to herringbone We'd, in honor of Katie Luther? We yes. definitely can. That's why I brought a pencil for this. Her- hashtag herringbone for the win. Um, okay, manly article of clothing. Flannel shirt. Yes. Adjective. Hairy. <laughs> Adjective. Purple. Okay. Um, animal noise. How do I write that? Woof. I'll just say Woof. it. I'll just send it in there. Er, 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 ah, ah. The noise from down uh, with the sickness. Uh, er, er. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby. Stamp collecting. Stamp collecting. Perfect. Okay, I need another one. Another hobby. Cross-stitch. Oh, okay. Yeah, cross-stitch. Cross-stitchings. Food items. Corn cobs. Corns on the cob. Corns on the cob. (laughs) Interjection. Sup! (laughs) All caps there. Adjective. Another one? Yeah, I told you there are a lot. They're they're the easiest ones. Slimy. Ooh. I knew that one was going to come up. It always does. Every Mad Lib includes slimy. It's true. Um... Okay, one more adjective, and then we're done. Dark. Oh. Whoa. That took a dark turn. School. That's the that's dark. the noise I'm gonna insert. I'm gonna go. School. Hopefully my animal noise. School. I think what animal makes that? Camel. Pizza cat. Pizza cat. Pizza cat. <laughs> okay. Hopefully my reading is legible. Here we go, Bree. Oh. I'm in my hand is a work of art. Hopefully this is not terrible. <laughs> Hopefully it is. <laughs> don't I read know. it first. You can't read ahead. Okay. Read it, read I'm sorry. It. Okay. okay. Read it cold. Read it cold. Hey Bree, wake up, sleepy belly button. It's your xiphoid process. I've got something really supreme to tell you. It's your 34 birthday. <laughs> What do you know? I'm, I'm right? It's like, wow. I've got a bodacious morning planned for you. <laughs> Throw off your glutinous cake and hop out of bed. Dangerously dribble to your closet and pick out your popsicle pantses. Make sure to find a herringbone one and a houndstooth one. And take a selfie because hashtag mixed patterns. <laughs> I just read the next line. Wake up your cake-like husband, Matt, because he has to come along, too. Pick out a nice flannel shirt for him and take another selfie because hashtag couple goals. (laughs) Say hairy morning to Cooper, the purplest dog in the whole wide world. He's coming along, too. He won't, you know, at anyone, will he? You've got a day of stamp collecting and cross-stitching ahead, but first we're going to High Point Drive-In to eat some corns on the cob. <laughs> Sup? Look who's here to join us. It's your slimy Lutheran ladies' lounge friends, all wishing you a stark 34th birthday. The end. Oh, 
Oh man, Tuber really is the purplest <laughs> dog. And we are your slimy Lutheran lady friend forever. I'm going to go to High Point Drive-In tonight and be like, I'll have all of your corns on the cob, please. (laughs) Your finest corns on the cob. (laughs) My abs hurt from laughing. (laughs) I can't go on. Sarah. I love it. Happy birthday, everyone. Happy birthday, Bruce. Have a stark one. Happy birthday. In all seriousness, though, Brie, happy birthday. And I am so thankful that you are a Lutheran lady. Thanks. Which is not something that you spent your entire life being, is it? Um, I you know, so generally speaking, I would actually say yes. However, and go I think going to a Concordia really sort of cements the magnitude of Lutheranism, at least in my mind. Mm -hmm. So just to Mm -hmm. give you a little bit of background, I I was born on the East Coast, not a whole lot of LCMS congregations, at least not in the mid-80s, as far as I can tell. There um, still aren't. Still yeah. aren't. You're not wrong. <laughs> so my my father actually grew up in the Jewish tradition. Um, I remember him being baptized. I was probably three, two or three years old, and I, wow. I, remember, I remember that. Um, and my mom grew up in the Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. So when my parents got married, my I don't know if it was like an arrangement thing, like you have to convert to mm-hmm. marry me or whatever. Like, I don't mm-hmm. really know what the circumstances were. Point being, he was baptized. He joined the Episcopal Church. We were my sister and I were baptized in the Episcopal Church. Um, and then my dad actually had received a job offer in. Bethalto, Illinois, and alternatively in the Midwest, there wasn't a whole lot of Episcopal presence in here, in at least in terms of like the level of I don't want to call it politicism, but basically like the priest that we had there when he knew that we were leaving said that um, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod might actually be a really good fit for us because. I think his church was in the process or maybe it had already split, but they they split from the diocese because the diocese was getting far too liberal for them. Mm -hmm. And so our priest made the recommendation then because he he sort of knew and thought that his, you know, his church's beliefs, the things that they ascribe to aligned a lot with the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And Mm -hmm. because I was at the time four or five years old, my sister was would have been like six or seven then the fact that there are so many lcms schools and lcms churches attached to schools Mm -hmm. seemed like a really good seemed like a really good opportunity to join the church and so i don't i don't really remember anything about being a part of the episcopal church i mean i remember going to church and like i remember going up to the 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 communion rail or like I remember going to Sunday school, but certainly didn't have sort of the formative memories that I mm. have as a Lutheran now. And so when I sort of moved my way up, I went to Lutheran grade school, Lutheran high school, and then Concordia, you definitely get a sense for 
Like, there's legacy families in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. There are people mm-hmm. whose great-great-great-grandfather came over to the United States with CFW Walther kind of a thing, and they've been Lutheran for for eons and eons of time. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my husband is is from that kind of family. He at least has been a lifelong Lutheran and his father before him was as well. But I mean that you meet people at these schools and and it's I haven't really come to appreciate my first generationness <laughs> until very recently. Mm-hmm. And so I have come to find, based upon my experiences and as we have sort of polled mm-hmm. the the Facebook group, we've sort of taken the temperature of that, there's a lot of first-generation Lutherans yeah, out there. there are. And their stories are both very similar and, of course, very different just because people come from very different backgrounds. But as I was reading through these, I found there were a lot of, of similar threads kind of that, that went through a lot of them. So I'm going to share a few. This one is from Adele. She says, I didn't grow up in a religious or Christian home. My parents were against church or any religious institution. In our house, education and knowledge was a god. And although we'd get invited to VBS or youth groups and were allowed to attend from time to time, it was clear that we weren't to make it a recurring event. I always knew something was missing and I attached myself and got deeper into whatever, thinking I could find fulfillment through things or more knowledge or more experiences. And if there was a God, they would be a God who agreed with me on everything. And if he didn't, I didn't think he was a God and I didn't want anything to do with him. Fast forward some odd years to my junior year of high school, I started dating someone. He happened to be the son of a Lutheran pastor in town. This is one of those themes. <laughs> Women dating sons of Lutheran <laughs> pastors. It comes up everywhere. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, I knew the day would come when he would ask me to the church and I was terrified. It wasn't that I was opposed to going to church. I felt like I would owe him and I tried. I was nervous because I didn't know the first thing about church. I didn't know what to expect and knew I would get lost in what was happening. The only thing I thought I knew was that Christians were judgmental and I expected their judgment of me to be blatant. But that's not at all what happened. And for the first time in my life, Jesus was communicated to me as real, as true, and as life-giving. My conversion to Lutheranism doesn't really stop there. Even though some of what I was nervous about didn't ever happen, I was still mostly lost in the liturgy, often felt like I didn't really understand what was going on, and had to stop wanting God to be what I wanted him to be. But more than personally, externally, I had to deal with a lot of backlash from my family. They didn't want me to drink the Kool-Aid, and I knew I needed to take a swim in it. Because of this, it took the better part of a year to both honor my father and mother and get me baptized. Mm. Flash forward six Uh years, and I am married to the boy who asked me to go to church with him. When we first met, he said that he wanted to be an engineer, but God had had other plans, and he's now studying at the seminary. Another theme in a lot of these stories. (laughs) God gets all the glory for the story, of course, and by his design, we're here today. I don't know where I would be today without Jesus or without the Lutheran churches that have faithfully taught the word. I'm still praying for faith for the rest of my family. So there's... We will definitely pray for that, too. Absolutely. For sure. So there's there's two themes uh, that come up a lot in a lot of these stories uh, having to do with pastors' families um, that the women in the group either married uh, the son of a pastor or they married uh, someone who is was going to be going to seminary or both Mm -hmm. (laughs) as in this story, Mm -hmm. which is which is. I don't know. I guess that's a that's a cool thing, though, that that pastors' families are are bringing people into the faith, too. 
And actually, that's sort of my story, even though mm. I'm a quote unquote lifelong Lutheran, that there was there were a number of years there where it was kind of touch and go, you know, after my confirmation um, as to whether I was going to stay Lutheran. I think a lot of young people, you know, get to that point in high school and college where they're like, well, this is where I came from, but that's not necessarily when I, where I want to go. Mm. But then lo and behold, I fell in love with a pre-seminary student <laughs> at the same time I was attending a Concordia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can say that I married into the faith I was born into um, because it was really through those processes, through really learning Lutheran theology for the first time, Mm -hmm. really in college, and also having a vested interest in making peace with those parts of the doctrine that I had previously struggled with Mm -hmm. that made it possible for me to really, really become Lutheran for the first time in my life even though I was born into the church. And so it doesn't surprise me that these stories are revolve around relationships, Mm -hmm. journeys of discovery, Mm -hmm. because that was, that was my story, even though I'm a multi-generation Lutheran, at least on one side of my family. Yeah. Relationships. Thank you for sharing that. Relationships. I think in, in every single one of these stories, there is some relationship uh, that, that helped guide these women to the church, whether it was a pastor or who they married or their parents or a friend or uh, classmates. Um, there's, there is always some relationship, uh, some people that guided uh, these women into the church. Of course, the power of the Holy Spirit working through uh, the words of the pastor and the, the words of these, of these uh, people showing love to their neighbors in the name of Jesus. So... All right, I'm going to share Molly's now. Uh, She says, I grew up attending an interdenominational church in Los Angeles, where I'm originally from. My dad wasn't happy there, so when I was four or five years old, we briefly attended an independent, reformed Calvinist church. They were, well, super, super lapsarian, which my parents weren't keen on, so we returned to the interdenom church. My parents were in the praise band there for around 10 years. My dad went on a soul-searching, internet-browsing, armchair theologian journey during all of this, which eventually culminated in him listening to Chris. Roseboro's online streaming Pirate Christian Radio. One day a sermon was broadcast from a Lutheran church a couple miles down the road from the church where we were already attending. My dad, who at this point was playing guitar at two or three churches a weekend, started attending the Lutheran church on Sundays. He then brought me along. I was 13 or 14 at the time and going through some crisis of faith. I worked in the church's ministry program as a volunteer, you know, since I'd outgrown it for myself and quote unquote big church wasn't really for middle schoolers. Also, I'm an introvert and youth group gave me anxiety. LOL. I feel you on that one. (laughs) And was getting getting more and more concerned with some of the teachings and practices going on with the children. A little while after that, we began taking my mom too. My dad officially converted and was later confirmed a little after Easter of that year, if I remember right. And I was confirmed about a year later. My mom got confirmed a little while after that. We moved to Alabama my senior year of high school, during which I met my future husband, who also converted and became Lutheran after growing up Roman Catholic. He is now at the seminary. Yay! I am convinced that becoming Lutheran saved my life. I had struggled with feeling as though God didn't really forgive my sins for pretty much my whole life, to the point that I had vivid, haunting childhood dreams about dying without salvation. Ugh. Ugh. I got baptized when I was eight or nine and found no comfort in it. I'd try to read the Bible, and it just didn't make any sense. 
I am so thankful that the Holy Spirit was able to work through my father's life, even though it took the better part of 50 years, and bring us all to the faith once delivered to the saints. The proper understanding of the sacraments and the right distinction of law and gospel is so incredibly foreign to most evangelicals, and it can result in such absolutely crushing feelings of guilt and fear. But it brings so much comfort and joy to finally hear the word of God and receive his good gifts and finally find comfort in it all. Another theme in a lot of these, um, people coming from other denominations, yeah. growing up in churches, coming to the Lutheran faith because of the of doctrine, of yeah. law and gospel teaching, of of Jesus proclaimed for you. Right. That is a that is mm-hmm. a very common. I see theme. a lot of like interdenom, non-denom, mm-hmm. sort of these more ambiguous, and I, I I think that a lot in a lot of ways the the structure that we see in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, the doctrines by you know to which we all ascribe, I think that's attractive to people. Mm-hmm. You know, they spend their lives it sort is. of floating and seeking and what they want is structure and they want and they want good biblical teaching. Mm-hmm. And grace. I mean yes. the, so many of the the churches out there, you know, preach the gospel as law, you know, as mm-hmm. law and more law, which when you're an, you know, idealistic adolescent may make sense. You'd be like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't I want to live perfectly before God? Yeah. But then in my case, you go to college and you realize, oh, shoot, I'm a sinner. Right. Um, <laughs> and then you've got to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And if you have only been taught that religion is about what you do, then that's not going to give you much hope or comfort. Mm-hmm. And I think that this the, the law and gospel gives us a really unique perspective on what God has done to remove our sin that doesn't make sin seem like it's not a big deal, but also doesn't completely crush us under the reality that we are sinners. Right. Anyway, it's beautiful. And wow, that story is really powerful. I know. All right, this is Lydia's. I wasn't born into a Christian home. I went to the local Methodist church with my aunt a few times. I liked it, but it was a woman pastor and it really confused me. Fast forward to senior year of high school. I was trying to figure out where to go to college and my friend convinced me to apply to Concordia. I got in and I auditioned for a band scholarship. When it came down to the decision time, I was on the Michigan State wait list and said, I guess I'll go to CUAA, Concordia Ann Arbor. For those of you not in Michigan, I wasn't about the worship life, but I talked to my friends about it. I started going to chapel with them. I started going to church with them, too. In the spring semester of my freshman year, I asked the pastor to baptize and confirm me. Shout out to Pastor Penhaligon. Yay! Woo! I don't actually know him, but yay! <laughs> I started dating my now husband before the, all of this, too, and he was very supportive and answered my questions. Over the summer, I took adult confirmation classes, and I was baptized on Reformation Sunday. That is a great day to be baptized. Yes, Aww. ma'am. The Lutheran face d- just made sense to me. It all clicked. Now I'm married to a pastor. There you ooh, go. Ooh. Look at that. That's the power of relationships, of campus pastors, Concordias mm-hmm. and campus pastors. And especially pastors. Concordia University <laughs> Ann Arbor, my dear alma mater. <laughs> that one was for you, Rachel. <laughs> that but, was for me. I just, I, yeah, makes me glow. Because that was a place where I, too, had so much sort of like opportunity to re- really dig in to mm-hmm. what I believed for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I watched stories like that unfold. And I know you guys did too at River mm-hmm. Forest. And, yeah. Chicago. Um, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. sorry. Chicago. Chicago, no. Okay. But that's fine. Own it. 
but also the the value <laughs> the value of campus pastors whether or not you're at a Concordia because people think oh you're at a Concordia campus pastor you're already Lutheran whatever but that's not always the case and campus pastors at our at our LCMSU um, campus ministries can make a huge difference in people's mm-hmm. lives because this mm-hmm. is such a formable I was going to say formidable formidable but it's not formid- formative formative formative. Like formidable is not the right word. What? <laughs> That's okay. Well, it's that too. But formative time of of a person's life uh, that having that connection to the church, whether or not you were raised in a Lutheran church, can be can can really be a, the make of the difference in yeah. whether or not somebody continues on having that relationship uh, with a campus pastor can be so well. Huge. And as as I think of it, at least when we were at Chicago slash mm-hmm. River Forest, yeah, a lot of those students. Are they are Lutheran. No, they They're aren't Lutheran. They they live in the neighborhood, or you know, they commute in every day. Or they were recruited for sports. Or they were recruited for sports. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. It it is such. I look at it as such an opportunity for us to get non Christians and non Lutherans onto a campus where there is so much rich opportunity to either get involved in ministry or learn more about the faith. Um, and so, you know, I know that people have their qualms about the Lutheran identity on our Concordia campuses, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like the, the fields are white, like they're ready, like yeah. go out, mm-hmm. they're coming to you, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the yeah. time is now. Mm-hmm. This one's from Indy Newell. I think this is a really cool story. So she says, I was born and raised in the Episcopal Church. My grandfather translated the Book of Common Prayer and the hymnal into our native Lakota language. Which is awesome, Awesome. by the way. Yeah. So cool. Fascinating. Seven of my uncles were also Episcopal priests. Straight away from the church, but came back to it in my early 30s. Being a nice, open-minded Episcopalian, when my daughter was going into middle school, we decided to send her to a Lutheran school. About a month after school started, she asked if we could go to church at her school. I said sure, but thought I should meet the pastor first. I went in to meet the pastor and was warmly greeted, and then he asked if we could pray together. I thought, okay, that's different. And after our first church service and hearing a law and gospel sermon, we never returned to the Episcopal Church. We went through membership classes and never looked back. It was eye-opening to me that a church could base its entire belief system on the Bible and not just a social justice version of the Bible. Yep. We went from a church that marched in gay pride parades, had a gay deacon, blessed gay unions, and had a female priest to a church that taught what the Bible teaches. It was an eye-opener to me. It's been a short 20 years, but I am blessed to be a part of the confessional Lutheran faith. Wow. Yeah. That's a big difference. It's a big difference. It's a huge shift. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and it speaks to us proclaiming our faith in how we act Mm-hmm. And what we believe, and living out our faith among our neighbors, yeah. um, because you—I mean, you—you you can tell, <laughs> right? Of course, yeah. And it's worth worth remembering that we're not Lutheran because of Luther, right? We're we're Lutheran because this movement coming out of the Reformation decided to stick firmly to the words of Scripture, mm-hmm. and that we ourselves cling to those words as the rule and norm for our lives, for our way of thinking about theology. And uh, yeah, no, that's, I love that she, she brings out that distinction that this is, we are a church that, that takes the Bible seriously or tries to, mm-hmm. always tries to and clings to that, even if it goes against 
you know, other things happening in the world. Well, and I think also she she commented about how, you know, she went she went and they went that first Sunday and they heard this law and gospel sermon and they they never looked back like Mm -hmm. they just that was that was that was it for them. They Mm -hmm. knew it. But the reason it isn't because they're like, oh, that made a lot of logical sense, Uh, even if, you know, it Mm -hmm. did. Like that, that was the Holy Spirit working and that's yes. the power of the yes. word mm-hmm. when it's proclaimed like that, when, yep. when pastors do that and they, they give both the law and the gospel in it, the Holy Spirit works in that mm-hmm. and it works in the people who hear it. And that's, that's, that's what made the difference, yep. uh, which is amazing. Yeah. Every time I think about that, it, it blows my mind a little bit. Because, I mean, we believe it, obviously. Like, the Word of God is powerful, and the Holy Spirit works faith in people, and we say that, and we believe it. But then I read these stories, and I'm like, holy moly. You can see it happening sometimes. It happens. literally, you can watch it. It's a real thing. It's amazing. And it it just gave me goosebumps. Um, This is from Melissa. Raised in the South, Arkansas, which is my husband's state, as a Nazarene, but briefly went to a Baptist church during a split at the Nazarene church. One of my grandfathers was a Pentecostal pastor, and two uncles were non-denominational pastors. During college in Illinois, I met my Lutheran husband who wanted to transfer to Concordia, Chicago, so he could take pre-seminary classes. Look at that. We transferred together, and I enrolled in Intro to Theology with John Rhodes. He and my husband's home pastor worked together on my confirmation, got engaged to my husband, and you can just imagine the things my relatives said about me marrying some Yankee Lutheran. Yes. (laughs) Which, I've shared this before, but my aunt was wedding gift shopping with my cousin. Upon seeing wine glasses on her registry, she said, well, you know them Lutherans, they drink. Which you is know hilarious. It, it was an interesting it. jump for me, and my biggest hurdle was infant baptism. But Professor Rhodes did a wonderful job helping work through things by pointing me to scriptures. I also appreciated so much that my professors would simply say, we don't know, sometimes, yep. instead of just making up answers to questions. I think it's been mm. a real blessing having an outsider's perspective as a pastor's wife. It's easy for me to put myself in a visitor's shoes. Nice. There you go. That's cool. Yeah. And so right, too. But, like, I feel like our pastors, I mean, really, they, I love how in my, at least in my interaction with pastors, it's never like a debate. It's always like they're they're helping and they use scripture. And that's the thing. They use scripture to back what they believe and they will point you to that and they will do it with so much grace and understanding and it's it's just amazing to me and I I think that's that's sort of this warm inviting nature of of LCMS pastors that that is also very attractive to people and also you know we don't have all the answers there are mysteries um, and things that we can't explain with human logic and or it's a both and or it's a both and and we're okay with that Mm -hmm. we will find out on the other side (laughs) I love that she pointed out her stumbling block, mm-hmm. you know, in her case, infant baptism. That was a huge one for me when I was, you know, trying to convince myself that I was Lutheran. Yeah. I- infant baptism, close communion. There mm-hmm. are a few things that for people coming in from the outside, from various corners of of Christianity, that there are doctrines that are very easy to accept. Mm-hmm. Grace, ha, huh, yes, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are some <laughs> that are a little bit harder. And yet there are, you know, with 
careful searching of the scriptures with being willing to be guided by you know pastors and and wise theological minds that you can find your way to peace i mean i did all four of my children have been baptized and i'm so thankful to be able to look at them as brothers and sisters in christ and not just reprobates whom i hope will get saved at some point <laughs> that that's a huge huge comfort to me that would not have been available had i not wrestled with this so i'm really glad that she also wrestled with this and you know has come come to a place of you know real peace about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of parents, this one's from Jocelyn. My husband and I became Lutheran together after we were married. He grew up in a tiny Methodist church. I grew up floating between two essentially non-denom churches. What we were agreed upon at the time of our marriage is that church involvement is an essential piece of adult life. Neither of us knew much of anything about doctrine. We thought of church primarily as sort of a volunteer service organization. We attended a large, politically high-profile Methodist church in Chicago for the first four years of our marriage before we realized that this church truly believed that scripture and worship were merely ceremonious decorations that put its main focus, social justice, under a vaguely Christian banner. At this point, we'd become parents, and so everything got filtered through the lens of teaching God's word to a growing family. A Lutheran friend of ours encouraged us to start listening to issues, etc., and it clicked for us. I think the depth and abundance of Lutheran writing was a huge factor because we could really delve into doctrines we didn't even know existed and consider what scripture had to say. No punches pulled. So then we found a solid confessional church and haven't looked back. Praise be to God. Bringing kids up in the faith. That is a big one Whoop. for a lot of people. Um, like you said, Rachel, just having your kids baptized. And, and when you're, I don't know because I don't have kids, but I imagine that when you become a parent, everything changes, changes. with a lot of things. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one more. What? Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, I could yeah, sit here we... all day and do this, but <laughs> this is from Lisa. I grew up United Brethren, similar to Baptist. When I started dating my husband, he was in college preparing to attend seminary. He flat out told me on our second or third date that if I wanted to continue dating him, I would have to become Lutheran. I started going to church with him and then went through adult confirmation. He tells me I am more Lutheran than some who were born Lutheran. Mm. People are often shocked when they find out I was an adult convert. That was a short story. I'm shocked. Is that Lisa Remke? Yep. I know her. She's a friend. And yeah, she is more Lutheran than most people I know. (laughs) And I would never have believed that she wasn't raised in the church. But Jim and Lisa are wonderful people. (laughs) I love that you know them. And I'm, yeah. (laughs) No, that's, that I'm, you know, and I'm, we're so blessed to have these women in -hmm. our church, you guys. Yeah. That might have gone another way had things, you know not worked out the way they did. I mean, our church is richer for having Lisa Remke in it. Yeah. Um I agree and all with the rest you. of these. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm beyond thankful for these for these stories. And I, I don't think I would have been able to give thanks in the same way without knowing that. And she brings up a good point too, from the perspective of somebody who was baptized in the church, that a lot of times when you're raised in the church, you can take a lot of things for granted. Yeah. And you don't always necessarily dig into the scripture because you you just know it your whole life. And so when you get to be an adult, it's like, well, of course I know that I was I was raised in the church. You know, it's the doctrine. It's what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when blah, you come blah, in, blah, 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 yeah, right, right. But with, when you come in from the outside and you have as an adult and you have all of these prior experiences and 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 
you know, know what you're looking for. I, I imagine it's a completely different experience. And when you find, uh, when the Holy Spirit works faith and you find this doctrine, I, I imagine it's it's this really eye-opening experience. And you really want to dig in and learn all of this stuff because of how great it is. So that's an inspiration to me <laughs> to to care a little bit more maybe um, and, to, and to want to read uh, the Bible more and, and dig into our beliefs and our, our book of Concord and all that good stuff and all the mm-hmm. writings that well, we have. And I think that it's notable that in, in Lutheranism, we place, we, we make such a big place for confirmation mm-hmm. as a process, because in a sense, thanks to confirmation, we're all first gen Lutherans. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not in the same way, but you're baptized into the faith as a baby. But there comes a point when you are mostly grown, when you've been taught everything, you know, all the basics, where you have to say, I choose this. Mm -hmm. I choose this church. I bind myself to this. And I'm not going to rest on the faith of my parents. I'm not going to rest on, you know, just this, this childhood that I had, this upbringing. I'm going to embrace this for myself. I'm going to wrestle with this. And I have a son going through confirmation right now, and he Mm. is wrestling. The questions that he asks are big and deep and important. Mm -hmm. And yet I know that when he stands up and and says his confirmation vows, that he will be a member of the church in a new and deeper way. Mm -hmm. So that's I, I love that about us, that we make that a process. Yeah, it's a great thing. That's all the stories I'm going to share in this podcast because I could just keep going literally for hours because there are so many stories. So if you're interested in reading more of these, join our group on Facebook, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Find the stories, share your own story if you have your own first-gen Lutheran story or just your own story about your family. I mean, that's fine. We like we like reading other people's stories. <laughs> it's, yep. it's just what we do in the group. Uh, you can also find all of our podcast episodes at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or you can search for us on your podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm 34. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. I want to see your herringbone <laughs> and houndstooth popsicle pants, preferably, because mm-hmm. that's great. I, I, I could do that. <laughs> I know a friend I could commission. Woo! I'll pay you literally like $300. <laughs> Like I'll, I won't even pay you in chocolate chip cookies. I'll pay you three hundred dollars. Like real money. Real oh. money.